Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I love betting with FanDuel because they've got great odds and markets for MLB, PGA Tour, tennis, NFL futures, and more. Plus, their app is safe, easy to use, and when I win, I get paid out fast. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in select states only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined, as always, by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Chad, what's going on, brother? We got a, uh, we're going to have a big show today because, listen, I know you don't like to admit this. You're like a you're like a former athlete who jumps into the broadcast booth and then refers to the media as if you aren't a member of the media. I'm Draymond um, Green. What's that? I'm Draymond Green. I'm playing at the highest level, winning championships, millions of dollars. You're while part of doing the new a little media. podcast with you, Chad. You're part of you're part of the new media, right? <laughs> I'm part of the old media. That's true. So we're going to talk a little bit about media. We're going to talk about media and betting uh, and then just media in general, because it does impact betters with one of the most preeminent uh, reporters on the sports media business who has been doing it for a long time at a huge brand, Jimmy Traina, host of the Sports Illustrated Media podcast, author of the column Traina Thoughts. Jimmy, welcome to the favorites, brother. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. It was 
way too kind of an intro. So thank you. Well, that's the last kind of thing <laughs> we're going to say about you. So <laughs> here's what I want to know. I've known you as a guy who has written about gambling for a long time, who knows the space. And yet, if you were to read your stuff or to listen to you on the podcast, it sounds like you're so anti-gambling. Really? Yeah. I think we all have that opinion. We feel like wow. you can be like uh, a bit of a gambling scourge at times. I I would have to ask for like a more specific criticism. I'm not because I do wager. Um, I'm on a little break right now. I'm going to wait till college football starts. But smart man. Um, once college football starts, I bet every single day until pretty much the NBA finals end. So I, to classify me as anti-gambling is pretty interesting. It feel I'm saying it feels like sometimes you don't. You are not as enthusiastic about the way the media covers gambling and how gambling can be incorporated into the broader conversation. Well, I don't necessarily think it's probably gam I get annoyed by anything that we get bombarded by. So you may use gambling ads here as an example, but I can't stand it when, you know, ESPN uses, you know, half time to give me a trailer of some stupid Disney movie. So like it, I may get frustrated by the amount of gambling ads, although it's not nearly as bad now as it was. Um, I don't know. What was it like five or six years ago when every ad was like DraftKings before DFS, it was legalized. Yeah. yeah. Here in New York. Um, I do get annoyed at people who consider themselves like gambling experts or touts. Cause I think that's all bullshit. Um, but nobody likes to make, make a wager more than me. What do you think is good gambling coverage? Forgetting for a second, you're on a gambling centric podcast for a gambling centric yeah. company. You know, if I'm looking at it as someone who places wagers to me, I don't, I don't need other info. If I'm doing my research, I don't need other research. Like you need to know your injuries. You need to know your weather. If it's football, I don't believe in trends. Like if you tell me, you know, the bears are six and oh, since 1985 against the Bengals, I think that's a complete bullshit stat. That means nothing. It has nothing to do with today. Um, I, I'm more into sort of, I, what I'd love is I'd love for announcers during telecast to acknowledge the spread and the over under when it's in play in the last, let's say five minutes. And I, I mean, there's no bigger fan of bad beats than me. So I love the coverage of how you lose a wager or on the flip side of that, how you win a wager. We always seem to focus on the losses, but on every bad beat, there's a win. So I, I'm more into the coverage of that. How, a bet was won or lost, uh, you know, two minutes left in an NFL game teams up by three, the spread is four. Are they going to take a knee? Like I'm into that more than trends, stats and all that other stuff. That's fair enough. Uh, I do think the math, it makes it all is connected in some way, but I'm with you about trends. Trends aren't the end all be all, but they do I help you trends, along with certain things. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I think trends make sense if they're sort of relevant and current, like if 
you know, I think the baseball season might be a good example of that. If you tell me, you know, the Yankees are 10 and 0 against the twins this season, there's some relevance there. But when you go back to past years, when there's completely different players on the teams and different coaches, it's irrelevant. It it isn't. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's all connected, brother. Like history repeats itself constantly. You can open up any history book. It's going to keep repeating itself. I mean, there's a reason Europe, all those wars were decided by a Russian winter. Like it just Napoleon, he learned the hard way. He went to Russia in the winter. He learned Hitler. He learned it's it's just connected. But I'm with you about it. It's hard where it's like, how can what happened 50 years ago matter about today? But there's a little bit, there's a little bit in all of it. And if the trends worked out, we'd all be millionaires and not doing what we're doing for a living. And there wouldn't be Vegas casinos standing up. (laughs) Well, but I, you know what I sign in, uh, you know, I hate to disagree with you. But I do think there's a difference when you're talking about a Russian winter stopping a war and what the Bears did against the Packers in 1985. The everything about that is different. I think what's interesting in the coverage, Jimmy, you're talking about is and we see it at action. Writing about the lines, writing about the markets, writing about the final two minutes and the bad beats. It's very small. Right. And at the end of the day, what the audience wants is to be told who do the wise guys like and why that's what they're interested in. Yeah. My point is you can't fight fate. Like history is what it is where the bears, they can't draft quarterbacks. They never have Ohio state can't produce quarterbacks. They never have. Am I going to be wrong one day? Yeah. But I've been fading them my entire life on the basis of these two teams can't produce quarterbacks and it's worked out for me. So I get what you're saying. I'm just, I just believe in history. That's my whole point. I also think different sports lend itself to different coverage. For instance, getting news and information is more important on a Saturday morning for college football than any NFL. You know, the injuries you, you know, if you watch a pregame show, check it, the internet, you'll know the weather you're going to know when players are out in the NFL. It's just the NFL is a beast. We're, We're five. But like on a Saturday morning, if I'm here in New York and I want to bet, you know, Colorado, Colorado State, I I might not know that the quarterback for one of those teams is out. So I think information, you know, I think different sports, like I said, lend it, you know, baseball is a whole different animal than NFL betting. Um, So I think for college, you know, I think your site action for, you know, college football Saturday like I would be locked into all that info. I'm, Saturday, I do more research on a Saturday morning for college football than any other sport because I feel like I, there's so many more games, so many more teams. You can't keep up with it all. It's very easy to keep up with the NFL. I was going to say, that's the NFL effect, though, where that's why the books make their most money off NFL is that exact mentality of I watch a lot of NFL, so I know NFL. And that's what the NFL bank, like the sports books bank on that, where it's like people are lazy in NFL because they say I watch a lot of the NFL. It's simple. It's on all day Sunday. You know, everyone knows all the names. You know all these players. And that's how they make a killing. It's where it's like the more you know, the more you watch. Well, I'm talking about news specifically. Like, yeah, I mean, if you watch the NFL and you think, okay, this quarterback's good, I'm going to, you know, always bet this team. That's different than finding out about an injury, finding out about weather, finding right. out this player was suspended because he was out, you know, drinking the night before. It, there's so many more wild crazy things that happen in college football, where I think the information news information is more vital there than in in other sports that you wager. Football is right around the corner and FanDuel Sportsbook is here to help you make every moment more. 
because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code FAVORITES, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Personally, my favorite college football feature right now is the Washington State Cougars to win the Pac-12 at 40-1. to I love betting at FanDuel because they've got great promotions every single day on an app that's safe and secure, and when I win, I get paid out fast. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code FAVORITES to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Must be 21 or over and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, or Louisiana in permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bet that expires 14 days after restraint. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 in New York. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9777. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. What's your view on this Manning cast and the impact it's had on TV? And what's to say about the similar Manning cast in the future? Are there going to be different casts like that? Are there going to be betting casts, do you think, in the future where, you know, the NFL is really embracing sports betting? Here we are. All these teams are making deals. I think the Bengals just signed a deal, Chad. I don't know what book it might be, but the Bengals just opened a book in their stadium. So a lot of things happen with sports betting. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect to see any betting specific shows on networks during games that, because then, you know, Roger Goodell still doesn't want announcers mentioning point spreads. So we're not going to make the leap to like a gambling show within a game. I think networks that don't have a TV deal with the NFL, obviously they'll be all in on, on gambling shows. Um, in terms of the Manning cast, uh, the worst thing about the Manning cast is that everyone's going to do a Manning cast now, and it's just not going to be nearly <laughs> as good as the Manning cast. So, you know, every network's going to copy it, and very, very few, if any, will be successful. What ESPN did with the Manning cast and in, in conjunction with um, Omar Productions, I mean, that's a unique, special deal where you got brothers who can bust each other's balls, and they don't, you know, that chemistry hard to find so you know there's all this stuff you know there's a new report amazon's going to do a, a manning cast for their thursday night package al michaels and kirk herbstreet will call the regular game and then there'll be a, an alternate telecast with just quarter you know old quarterbacks you know i i don't see how that gets people all hot and bothered it does seem very derivative right and so nobody can come up with a new idea once there is a new idea Let's see what the other sort of variations separated by two or three degrees of that idea could be. You mentioned something earlier, and I get asked this all the time, so I'd like to know your opinion. The inclusion of relevant gambling information in national broadcasts. What's the line for you in terms of how much is enough and how much is too much? 
I don't think you can have too much. To me, there's no line. You know, like I said, if if you know, listen, I don't know if you need like Jim Nance and Joe Buck talking about like the first quarter line. That might be a little in the weeds. Um, but again, you know, listen, if you bet NFL, everyone knows this. You're playing it an entire game in your brain with how to cover a spread. Oh, if they if they can get one first down here, they can move the clock here. You know, I'm rooting for them to not get a first down. I want them to get a field goal. If they get a field goal, they can come back with you know, you're going through. so I do think an alternate telecast that detailing all that would be tremendous. I don't know if there's a massive audience for that. And again, Roger Goodell would never allow that. But I'd love to see a goal. You know, right now, what'll happen is you know, let's say on the final play of a game, there's a garbage play touchdown. The game goes over and an announcer will say, oh, you know, Al Michaels, that was overwhelming. They'll they'll couch it like that. I would wish they could be more direct about it and say, listen, the score here is, you know, 31-10. We know the only people left watching are the people up over 44. Let's see if we, you know, they can get there and break it down that way. But again, Roger Goodell will have an aneurysm and it won't happen. So. There's so much moving and change in the sports media. I'm interested to hear your view on if you like the way the sports media is going. Are there any newcomers in sports media that has surprised you or delighted you? You like the new personalities that have come into sports media these last, you know, four or five years where things have kind of changed. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, there's this whole thing with the NBA, with new media, new media and players getting involved. You know, I'm a huge I I love what J.J. Reddick and Richard Jefferson do in the NBA. I think they're great as as ex-athletes. You didn't enjoy Draymond doing live updates during the finals? That I'm not into. I'm talking about Richard Jefferson and J.J. Reddick, what they do with their podcasts. (laughs) And and Richard Jefferson's just a complete character on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and all that. So I enjoy what they do there. Listen, he hasn't started yet, but I can't wait to see what Brady does. I mean, to me, that's going to be the ultimate. Two things you said. Yeah. Number one. Why aren't you into the Draymond Green stuff? I thought that was amazing. Every every minute of it was entertaining. I he because he's turned me off a little bit with his personality. How so? I mean, I think sometimes he's entertaining, and I think sometimes he's whacked out of his head. So he has this attitude that like no one's allowed to criticize any play. Did you see him? He got mad because someone on Sports Center called Kevin Durant emotional. Yeah, the Sports Center anchor is allowed to have that opinion and he's allowed to voice that opinion. Sorry, Draymond. He did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. And Draymond is certainly within his right to go after him. And to me, that's part of the game, though. Like Draymond, I, I will take I will take it. But when you're, when you're going offers. after people every single day, it gets tired and played out and feels forced. Unless that's who he is, like he's never been well, someone on the court who right. doesn't well, act that way. Right. right. And so to me, I'm getting Draymond at his rawest in the middle of the NBA finals talking about reaction. It's the most meta thing we never had that before. Right. It's a it's a Russian nesting doll. We've got Draymond responding to the response to him not doing well because he might be hosting a podcast in the middle of the finals. And then he has two bad. You know, he has those two bad games and then goes off in the last three and he's fantastic. And it's a non-issue. That's all drama fun to me. That's what this is supposed to be about. That to me is amazing. Yeah, I just like, think it's, I think it get, like there's, there's t- days where I'm just like, uh, you know, it's enough already. Like it goes on every day. And, you know, and there's also a lot of hypocrisy involved. You know, they, he, you know, him and the Warriors got all bent out of shape when the, what was it, was it the, not the Grizzlies, 
uh, was it where the fans were chanting F Draymond? Which which fans were those? Was it? I think that they, was was that. Boston? I think you're right. I think it was Memphis. Memphis. It was yeah. The Grizzlies. Was it Memphis? Chan- yeah, they were chanting. You know, F Draymond. And he was dancing to it. Right. And then no, no, he was the one who was saying F the fan. I don't know what. And then the Boston fans were cursing to Clay Thompson, and the Warriors got all hot and bothered. It was you know, I I don't I don't think there's a lot of like objectivity or like down the line with Draymond. He's always going to take player's side, and then the players are never wrong about anything. And that's just not the way it works. It is interesting though, how some players can elicit a reaction from the media and it's almost always positive. And some players can elicit a reaction from the media and it's almost always negative. How have you seen that manifest itself in the years you've been covering media? A big factor in that, you know, media people use athletes as sources they use agents as sources. Some media people have the same agents as athletes. So from the day I started at SI, I've always maintained there's not one reporter, media person, anyone who's objective. There's no such thing as objective. You want to say that this reporter is objective. Well, that reporter has relationships with GMs, with agents, with players. No one's objective. I think there are people who have agendas, but I don't think overall most media people use their agenda to either not, I think there are some, I I think it goes on, but I think everyone has their own feelings about whether they like an athlete or like, you know, I like Tom Brady, for instance. So I've written negative things about Tom Brady because of the TB12 stuff, but overall, like I like Tom Brady. So am I going to give him the benefit of the doubt more than an athlete? I don't like probably, but I try to be very clear about who I like and who I don't like. I think that's where I'm sort of different. And that's why you know, if people read my column, listen to my podcast, I make it very clear, like who I like and who I don't like. So for instance, everyone knows I'm a Yankee fan. I love Derek Jeter. I just watched the Jeter doc and I told people like, here's my review, but I'm coming at it as a Jeter fan. So be prepared, you know? Uh, So my issue isn't if, 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 isn't, if, isn't, if a media person is not objective, it's let me know, just let me know what you are. And then I can, gauge how I want to judge your opinion. Yeah, I would say as someone that's new into media, I've definitely, it's been a little eye-opening, um, the egos and how certain people are. Um, I mean, I kind of knew it was that way. Again, I was a huge T.O. fan. We all agree T.O. is a top four, top five wide receiver ever to play football. Wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer because he was an asshole to all these guys in media. So I get it. Like, I get both sides where it's like, you can't treat people like trash your whole career and not work with people in media and then expect them to give your roses on your way out. Like it, it has to work both ways. Cause these people are trying to do a job. So I've kind of adjusted to it. Um, it's yeah. definitely been a learning curve where it's like, you know, people will say crazy shit and it's widely wrong and they'll just keep it moving. They want to acknowledge the crazy thing they said. So it's definitely interesting to see how that's kind of progressed here with not that I'm blaming Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless, but like they've kind of set this trend in media now that it's, Again, I think the guy like Draymond Green we're talking about, that's what he's pushing back on are guys like that where, you know, Shannon Sharp can say whatever he wants and then the next day he can just keep it moving. Well, 
I'd argue there, though, that Draymond Green gives Shannon Sharp credibility. I mean, I don't think anyone really cares what Shannon Sharp says, but then <laughs> athletes some, for some reason care, and then it, they give the, give people like that credibility. That's fair. I do want to say one thing about media and objectivity. Well, I do think every media person has some biases based on relationships and connections. I will say the one thing I will push back on that fans are deranged about and think that you know, like when Joe Buck does a game or Jim Nance or Al Michaels, like they think they're rooting for one team. I don't think any of those guys I've, I've gotten to know all these play-by-play guys. I've interviewed all of them multiple times. They do not have any rooting interest when they're calling game. They want a game that's going down to the final play, but fans for some reason are hung up on this thing that like the play-by-play guy is rooting for one team. And it's so foolish, but most sports fans are foolish. So you just mentioned something really interesting about objectivity though. So the Washington Post this week did a big story about Adam Schefter and the money he's getting paid and how he's always working. And there were long parts of the story that were about how he managed, uh, how he tweeted about uh, certain players in domestic violence, how he sent that story to the guy who used to be the GM for the Washington football team, said, Mr. Editor, when you see stuff like that, You see stuff like Woj, who breaks every story through agents or Shams and all that kind of stuff. Guys getting paid, you know, a lot of money right now. That's a pretty dramatic change in the media business. I'm all for people getting paid. But do the relationships with the agents make that feel less than what it is because they're getting this inside information through these relationships that feel like you take less work. I don't care what these guys get paid. I say, get whatever you want. I guess things have changed so dramatically over the years with the advent of the internet and then social media, obviously, and everyone becoming a brand. I mean, that's that's what's changed the game. Everyone's their own brand. And I have, don't think I've ever looked at Adam Schefter as a reporter. Like for me, if you're reporting, you know, on a trade, to me, that's different than people who are doing like investigative pieces on Deshaun Watson. <laughs> like there's two different things there. So I think I look at Adam Schefter as a transactional reporter. This guy got traded. This guy got fired. This guy is hurt. It, he's doing transactions. He's not doing. Here are eight more women that have come out about Deshaun Watson and what they claim. So I think maybe I think this way because I'm in the media, so I know how it works. But reporter is a very broad term. And to me, transactional is a different kind of reporter than someone who's breaking news that's not you know, a trade or an injury. Would you say those people are considered journalists rather than reporters? Yeah, I, 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 you could classify it that way. Journalist reporters. I mean, you know, it's all about a label at this, you know, but there's a big difference between what Jenny Vrentes is doing at the New York Times and what Adam Schefter is doing. But they're both called reporters. They're both called journalists. But, you know. Well, lucky for us. Capital fucking J, baby. Yeah, I was going to say, I will never be called a journalist, boy, so don't worry. So I'll give you a little background here of me, Jimmy. I've basically been a pro better for, say, 10 years, lived in Vegas. I specialize in NFL. It's what I do. Chad, my good friend here, has been my mentor. I've been in, what is this, year four? Season four we're heading into together? Um, it it feels like so many more. (laughs) What would your advice be to someone like me? That's new in the media. How how does one succeed in this new landscape 
I mean, how do you deal with seeing the bad information? I feel like that's my biggest thing I'd love to ask you where you're seeing people put out such awful information. How do you not go at them on social media and how do you just keep in your own little world instead of engaging in these people that, you know, it's not even worth your time to deal with. Yeah. I, everyone asks me that. I don't know. It's just very easy for me to not engage and not, I I've always said, I only Twitter's real life. I think as soon as you <laughs> like, for me, as soon as I take this and I put it down, like Twitter doesn't exist. So whenever there's anarchy going on, or if I tweet something and I'm getting replies from people, if I just don't go on the Twitter app, everything's normal. I think you're in a good place in terms of getting into the gambling aspect of it, because obviously it's huge and only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, find your niche. Because if you can tweet some picks and go like, let's say five and one on an NFL Sunday, you'll get a bunch of new followers. No, how I make my money is I gave up the Jaguars money line in week 18 against the Colts and no one else in sports media did that. And that's, that's my niche where sports media go. Yeah. The Colts, they'll kill the Jags in the final week. No, New England, they'll kill Miami in the final week. And, but yeah, that's fair. Simon makes a good point. Like people go on these studio shows, they don't say anything for 30 minutes. And yet the media makes a huge deal about who's hosting the studio show, who's on the studio show, who's the analyst. This person is leading the studio show. These are not huge viewership opportunities. Sometimes it feels like the studio shows matter to the executives who produce them and the leagues that are watching them and the rest of the fans could take them or leave them. And what is your feeling on studio shows versus their, and their impact versus studio shows and the importance they have in the media industry? Yeah. I mean, I think you summed it up by everything you said there was correct. The, I think the sort of explosion of social media put a big dent in the studio shows you don't need to watch cbs or fox at 12 30 to find out if player x is playing or not you get that information right on your phone so they're less relevant but they're not less relevant to the nfl to roger goodell you know it's all part of the package the nfl is such a you know this it goes into the brady thing you know people are going to say brady's getting 375 million to call games well it's not just that like they're going to make him Fox, you know, they give him that ambassador title, but like the NFL likes having Tom Brady as part of their organization and calling games. It was, you know, think about this. I've, I've said, I've talked about this so many times when they came up several years ago when the NFL decided they would do Thursday night every single week and NBC got the package. NBC wanted to use Mike Tirico on the games. Who's an excellent broadcaster. And the NFL said, no, they wanted Al Michaels. They wanted their, NBC's top team calling the games. The, M- the NFL cares about the um, presentation of it all. So that's where the pregame shows are important. Listen, I do think, I don't want to just say they're completely useless. I think a lot of them do really good interviews. I, I think some news comes out of them every now and then um, from that standpoint. But yeah, I, like a lot of things in media, the social media is taking a, bat and put a big dent in the importance of it, studio shows. You think Tom Brady has changed everything now with sports media? Or is that just a one-off? Is he just so unique? Yeah, I think it's a one I mean, he's the greatest quarterback who ever played the game, so it's a one-off. No one else can bring any of that value that he brings. Right. You know, he's a guy, I talk about this a lot. 
he's a guy who brings in the fringe fan. There are people who don't care about the NFL. They know who Tom Brady is. There are very few athletes who fit into that. You know, LeBron obviously would fit into that mold. Um, you know, his wife being a, an international model brings in people who may not care. So his reach, he's got reach and he's got credibility. He's And I think since he got out of New England, he's got some personality. So I totally get what Fox is doing there. But you're going to see him. I mean, Fox, I wouldn't be, you know, Fox will use him to promote college football games, MLB game. He, you'll see him. They're not just going to have him call 16 games and hand them $375 million and say, you know, thanks for your work. He's though you'll see a lot of him all over Fox properties. My last question for you, mm-hmm. you've covered media for a while. And you started SI sort of doing a lot of pop culture type stuff and connecting sports and the wider universe. If you weren't covering media in today's landscape, where do you think the biggest opportunity is? It does seem like it's in the gambling world. I mean, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, they're all hiring and making commercials. Listen, you want to get into anything related to the NFL? It's a stable <laughs> a company as there is. I think that's a good way to go. This is such a time, too, where I don't even know if you need to be attached to a big company. We're seeing so many people with their own niche. Now, this is not good for Simon, but you can stay away from a big company, but you're going to have to be doing wacky videos all day long. You have to be on every single social media platform all day long. I feel like there's this trend where like so many media companies, and even if you're not with a media, even if you're your own brand, like so much content is just taking the phone, putting it here, hitting play and screaming into the thing and making a video. Like I, I, I would kill myself if I had to do that. I'm so happy I've avoided having to do that, but you know, that's where it's at at this moment. So that's what you have to do. If you're starting out, I think. We're all going to succumb at some point to silliness. Yeah. Jimmy trainer. Train Wait, do you stop. still think I'm anti-gambling? I need to know this. I don't know. I need to see going forward how you're treating it. I might be colored by a couple of comments about the proliferation of gambling media. I mean, of gambling ads. But I hate all ads, just for the record. You know, I hate all what commercials. What I love about you also ads. is like, you might write for SI, but you could just as easily have been writing for the New York Post in 1942. Do you know what I mean? And I mean that as a, I mean that as a compliment. I am a, I romanticize that era. I think the writers, then the characters, then the culture, then of media and sports writing specifically, obviously it's different and today is better in a lot of ways, but I think about it back then as sort of the epitome of what it used to be. So I say that with love and affection. So oftentimes I, I think it just might be like, you've got a particular point of view based on who you are and how you approach things. And so that's what might come across. Yeah. I just, I just, the anti-gambling label, I just don't like it. Listen, feedback is a gift. Now you know what you can improve on. Part of me wishes I was anti-gambling. I'd have a lot more money if I was, but I, you know, I've been betting since college. Definitely not anti-gambling. Just want that out there for the record. I actually get shit from people on Twitter. Like you shouldn't be promoting gambling. It's an addiction. People get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. So I'm getting it. This is typical of today's media. You get both sides of it. You get it from everywhere, man. You can't please us all. And we're all going to take one slice of what we saw and decide that is the perspective that we believe in. And nothing is going to change my mind. 
Yeah, I said recently too, like I think I said on my podcast, like I hate the summer, like July and August to me are the two worst months of the year. I need that. Get me to that first college football game. That's all I care about. Just please don't call me anti -camp. We are about 43 days away. Excellent. Excellent. Jimmy Trainer, Train of Thoughts, SI Media Podcast, decidedly a lover of all things gambling. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming on the podcast for Simon Hunter for... Matt Mitchell, I am Chad Millman. Download the podcast from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. Love you.